and welcome back to another episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema. I am at BeepCount on Twitter. Tonight I am joined by Stiano in Brooklyn. Hello. I am also joined by Schweitz up in the Great White North. How you doing, boys? Howdy. Doing good. How you doing, B? Man, it's uh, it's good to see you guys. Agreed. All right. What is Cinema? You're probably asking. Well, this is a new uh, podcast series that we're doing where we establish if a, uh, a movie is worth it. Um, and what qualifies as uh, a cinema would be a movie that is a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, either nice. critics or music, <laughs> either critics or user score, um, and a 6.9 star on IMDb. Now, you also have to have over 10,000 reviews on IMDb, uh, and the film has to be since 1980. So we kind of have a nice little list going here. Uh, if you can think of any movies uh, that you'd like us to review that are 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or 6.9 stars on IMDb, uh, give us a five-star nice. review on Apple uh, with that movie in the comments, or you can send us a DM on Twitter, and that's at Lauer After Hours. Welcome to this this episode. We are going to be talking about the uh, 1991 comedy, drama, family movie, a little bit of romance, um, My Girl, starring uh, Anna Chomsky and uh, Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's kind of get right into this. So 1991, uh, the, the synopsis is a young girl on the threshold of her teen years finds her life turning upside down when she's accompanied by an unlikely friend. How about that? Yeah. It kind of just sums it up right there. Um, and yeah, this was uh, the first, I think the very first movie for Anna Cholmsky, which I didn't know this uh, until I actually watched this for the first time, but she's actually one of, I think, the funniest characters on Veep. Have you guys ever seen that show, Veep? Very yeah, much it's a great so, show. Yeah. yeah. Love that show. Um, I had no idea. This is the first time I had I had ever seen this movie. Um, so I was, I was hey, I, I, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> she she looks the exact same and has the same timing. It's, yeah. Yes. Exactly the same. All right. Um, what do uh, what do you guys want to get into first? You want to get into uh, some soundtrack? Do you guys want to get into uh, some awards? Uh, the taglines? What do you guys want to hear? I think soundtrack's oh. appropriate considering the, you know, it's named after a Temptation song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was by uh, by the Temptation. So My Girl is on the soundtrack. Um, Bad Moon Rising by uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Um, Love that song. Love yeah. it. Well, anything CCR is, it. I mean, I'll, I'll listen to everything CCR. John Fogarty. Yes. Is he still with us? <laughs> I think so. Okay, that's fifty dollars, beat. I, I was, I was just, I wasn't saying anything. I was just asking the question. I was, I was wanting you guys to think about the question, right? Um, we have a couple of, you know, standard carnival songs, um, but then obviously the Doo Wah Diddy, Diddy Dum Diddy Do, um, Good Lovin' by the Rascals. That's a great song, right? Yes, very um, underrated. I feel like very underrated. Um, then we got Hot Hot Fun in the Summertime by Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, Sylvester Stewart. That's actually Sly Stone's real name. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, no, no clue. I thought it was just Sylvester Stone, and that's where Sly Stone got his name. But nope, that's it. Um, we got a couple just normal... I guess standards in here. We have the I have I only have eyes for you. You know I got rhythm. George and Ira Gershwin. So some of those old you know ragtime standards uh, in here as well. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the the highlights there of the of the soundtrack. Uh, it did win a few awards here. Um, nothing really major. Uh, just a couple of Film Critics Association awards. Uh, but a callback to our last episode uh, where we talked about The Wedding Singer, 
This was the 1992 MTV and TV Movie Awards winner for Best Kiss. Which kiss? Uh, well, the kiss between uh, Macaulay Culkin and Anna Chomsky. Okay. I was just bringing it to uh, the RV scene or the camper scene where they're dancing and they have their first kiss with, uh, you know, with Dan Aykroyd and, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Uh, nope. It was uh, the prepubescent kiss of a couple of 11-year-olds. I'm sure Maze will appreciate it. Yes, he will. All right. Here are a couple of taglines. Um, I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want A or B? B. Okay. So tagline B, when your dad's an undertaker, your mom's in heaven, and your grandma's got a screw loose, it's good to have a friend who understands you, even if he's a boy. That's awful <laughs> sorry Jesus. i'm sorry that's just all like it synopsis the movie well but oh, that's just uh yeah well it's a lot better than uh option a option oh. a a funny and moving family film <laughs> oh god moved you to tears. yes that is worse <laughs> I, I got to be honest, this entire movie, I didn't fucking laugh once. Not once. No. No. So, yeah. Nice little taglines there. All right. Uh, so, My Girl, 1991, directed by Howard Zeef. Um, he also directed My Girl 2. How about that? Uh, and My Girl 2 was actually the last movie that he directed. Uh, and... Mr. Howard is no longer with us as of uh, February 2009. So, R.I.P. Howie. And then we got a couple of the stars here. So, uh, previously mentioned, Anna Chomsky. uh, Obviously known for My Girl, My Girl Girl 2. Uh, We talked about Veep as well. But then she has a bunch of other acting credits here for voice stuff. uh, Like from Robot Chicken, Never seen that one, but I've I've heard I've heard good things. I think uh, pretty Seth much Green, everybody was on Robot Chicken at some yeah. point. Yeah, I think that was a Seth Green um, yes. collaboration, right? Uh, but she yep. was also Charlotte in uh, in Rugrats. Uh, that fits very good. Yeah, um, and of course we have uh, her co-star Macaulay Culkin. Uh, was he in anything? Uh, let me see. I've got his uh, IMDb <laughs> pulled up. Uh, you know, not not much here. Um, He's got so a famous the, brother, though, right? Yes, yes. Uh, with an amazing show called Succession, uh, which is coming back in October. So, yeah, yeah I, I cannot wait for that show. That's such an amazing show. I have not been able to find a TV show like that where you just hate every single character. Like, there's not a person on that show that has a redeeming quality in that entire show. One of uh, my favorite moments on that show is when they go to the, I think they're at like a club or whatever, and this will tie into some current events, but uh, Alan Ruck's character, when they're they're debating like age of women at the club, and he says, ask them where they were at 9-11, if they don't remember, they're too young. And I thought that was one of just the funniest things, just how they, they worked that line into succession. Mm. So funny, so crass. Yeah, so Macaulay Culkin, obviously he's been in a couple of things. He was also in uh, Robot Chicken. Um, he obviously, you know, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, um, Lost in New York. Uh, but as we kind of get into a little bit here, obviously Richie Rich, um, but he was in a, a TV show back in... 2009 called Kings uh, it was it got canceled after one season but if you have a chance to find it somewhere Kings that was such a great show uh, it, I was kind of sad to see that one uh, hit the chopping block um, also and, Saved is a really good movie of his from I yes. think 2004 yes great movie uh, that, that's got a pretty stellar cast as well um, yes so you ever have a chance and you're looking for something to kind of binge a season of uh watch kings 
And uh, also check out Saved from yeah, 2000, 2004. So we also have in this one Dan Aykroyd, uh, fellow, uh, fellow northerner there for you, Schweitz, uh, from, Loser. from Ottawa, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, he, he's only been in, like, everything. Some of the uh, best movies ever. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I, I like this movie caught him, like, right as he's getting fat. So it's yes. like he, he's not, yeah, like I, we, you know, watching the movie again, it's just like, oh, he's in the in-between fat stage. Like it's not like 1995 where he's really fat, but he's not Elwood Blue's skinny eating. <laughs> but he's also getting into, I, I mean, one of his first like serious acting roles, and you can kind of tell. I mean, obviously he's he's known for his his comedic chops, or, um, you know, something like, oh, geez. Um, Dragnet, where he plays like the straight gang, but has the yeah has the underlying, you know, funniness in it. Dragnet's so good just because Tom Cruise is the the comedic role in that, and Dan Aykroyd's the straight guy, and it's just the opposite of what you expect. Also, trading places with uh, co-star Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. So that segues perfectly into yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I mean, she has been in everything and yeah she's she's still doing it um i mean she's obviously halloween uh true lies uh freaky friday trading places uh like like you had mentioned um yeah she just her her imdb her her credit list just goes on which is activia commercials yes activia you can never get enough activia that's right yeah this movie was uh, rated a 6.9 stars on IMDb. And on nice. Rotten Tomatoes, it got from the critics uh, a 53% um, and a 77% from the audience. How about that? That tracks. It does. Uh, this this film uh, had on IMDb 75,886 reviews. Um, he had a runtime of 102 minutes, which is uh, an hour and 42 minutes for those up in Canada. What is that in metric? An hour 42. Like, we, we literally just talked about this. And it had, let's see, its budget was an estimated $17 million, um, and it has grossed just under $60 million, uh, worldwide. So, Good job. I think, I think they made it. All right. Let's get into this here. Uh, first, first thing, I love seeing the old school Columbia Pictures logo popping up on the screen. Just that kind of grainy footage. It it brings you back to a time, right? It's very, very nostalgic. Yes. Well, the the movies. I mean, I'm old, so I'm a child who grew up a lot in the '90s, and so many movies just brings me back to that thought process versus, you know the MGM lion or whatever else they, you know, we see in beginning yeah. movies nowadays. It's like the TriStar, the universal with the, you know, the words coming in around the globe. There's a, there's a few of them that, that sort of invoke that response, but yeah, Columbia one's a good one. Yeah. Anna Chomsky here plays Veda Sultanfuss. Uh, she's an 11 year old girl and a tomboy, but is a hypochondriac living in Madison, Pennsylvania during the summer of 1972. This film was actually uh, filmed in Florida. Yeah. So Pennsylvania plays, plays Florida. Cool. Um, her father, Harry played by Dan Aykroyd, uh, is actually a widowed funeral director and, uh, pretty much just ignores her from, from everything that we're, we're seeing here in the film. Um, interesting fact, my family actually owns a, uh, a funeral home, uh, up in South Amboy, New Jersey. Wow. Yeah. So I actually, when my dad passed away, I had the option, the chance to actually take it over uh, and run the family business. But uh, yeah, I did not want to uh, work with dead people. So I said, no, thank you. Sorry, Schweitz. what I miss? Nothing. I was just making fun that Schweitz is a dead guy. (laughs) (laughs) Or his jokes are. How about that? Well, it's it's just his hair follicles that are dead. It's true. He needs a he needs a Billy Gill beard to head transplant or something like Billy was talking about this week. Yes. Anyway, 
Moving right. on. Moving on. Um, so we we see the funeral home here, uh, and Veda is the ultimate Stugatz, right? She's basically charging kids to come see a dead body that is just in an empty casket. I mean, that's did, that's that's. Did genius. you ever do that growing up? No, no. I would I, you I have didn't. done that? Yes. Now, now watching this for the first time, I absolutely would have. What I wonder is, does she actually ever show them dead bodies? Or does she always make the joke of the casket's empty and then go see grandma and grandma moves and scares the kids? It's just grandma. Grandma gets a cut. Maybe if she remembers. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Alzheimer jokes. It's okay. They're, they're, they're not going to remember anyway. Yeah, exactly. So they can one have their own Easter eggs. <laughs> Hopefully they're plastic because they, you know, you don't want to forget the uh, the hard boy ones and end up with rotten eggs in, in the middle of June. Um, so one of the boys uh, that Veda kind of fleeces here with the uh, um, dead body scam was none other than uh, Tommy Repeater from the Sandlot. Oh wow! Yeah, didn't, didn't recognize him. Yeah, um, how about that? I, as soon as I saw the kid, I was like, I know him. That's And I went through the, the cast list, and yeah, from uh, from Sandlot. Veda here, uh, she has a best friend named Thomas J. Sinet. How pretentious is a kid, an 11-year-old kid, who has his first name and middle initial is just like his name? I'm Thomas J. I, I was going to ask, do any of you know anyone, adults even, that that you know go by their first name and middle initial like that? Bob Q. Costas. Robert. No, no, but but they never said they never said his last name for most of the movie. They just always called him Thomas J. You would never you wouldn't call him Bob Q. The whole time, like, <laughs> Bobby you know, Q. Like, Bobby Q. That's right. But, but do you know anyone growing up that that did their name like that? No, not not a single soul. Definitely not. But but I do use my middle initial now when I write anything. I always write out um, with my middle initial P for for whatever I'm signing or doing or my email or all that stuff. But I, I do that as well. I was young, no. Yeah, but as an 11-year-old, no. You're not going to go, you know, Anthony P. I'm not going to go. B- In fact, my license doesn't even have a minimum lotion on it because when, I mean, at this point, I've had it for a long time and you have to like pay extra to change anything on the on the thing. So I'm still my 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 height that I was in, in high school and no mill initial because I didn't want it back. So how do you play? Cause you keep the height and you keep the weight the same, right? <laughs> New York licenses don't have weight on it. Thank goodness. Really? Yeah, no, just height. And no. my license says five ten, even though I'm not five ten. but junior in high school, I was measured by the nurses five ten, So I went with it. Then it's gotta be true. I'm just shrinking now. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, so best friend Thomas J, played by Macaulay Culkin, uh, apparently allergic to everything. Uh, and that kind of gave you an early spoiler alert here uh, right at the beginning. Um, I, I, have a, I have a cousin who's allergic to everything. So I sort of understand that character a bit. Yeah. Um. But imagine pairing up someone that's allergic to everything with a hypochondriac. It's a recipe for disaster there, Beep. Yeah. Bad look. It's a bad look. A couple of girls come in, uh, and they're actually teasing uh, Miss Veda and Thomas J, um, thinking that they're more than friends. This, this was the other thing that bothered me, because while they're teasing her, Jamie Lee Curtis is sitting right there. There's no 11-year-old kids that tease other kids while an adult is within earshot like that. It's just not how people did things at the time. I don't, well, I don't, I don't. I mean, the, the, this was the 70s, so I'm sure, you know, kind of other rules existed at that time. You know, maybe they just literally didn't give a shit because, you know, that's not how they were raised. It's true. Yeah. But it just, I, yeah, it just like as soon as they did that, I'm like, there's no way they say any of those things with, with an adult standing there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously we, we just talked about uh, Shelly DeVoto, uh, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. 
she comes in, she finds an ad uh, in a paper um, in her RV about uh, being a makeup artist at the funeral home, except it doesn't necessarily say it's at a funeral home. So she thinks she's going into just some parlor, some, you know, hair and makeup salon, but nope. Tables have turned. Now you get to put makeup and do hair for dead people. That sounds like a pretty shitty job. Did you know anybody at your, your father's uh, establishment that did that? Yeah. So basically like it. No, they did not like it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are some people that enjoy it, but I would not be one of them. (laughs) Yeah. You will not catch me, you know, putting lipstick and rouge and blush on, on dead people. So not going to happen. So one of the girls that's actually in that teasing scene is Anna Chomsky's sister. Oh, which one? Uh, The one that doesn't talk? (laughs) I think it's the one that actually does talk. It's not the one that is at the very end that they become Mm -hmm. friends later on. I think it's the the taller one in the middle in the back. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so we find out that uh, Veda has a uh, little crush, a little schoolgirl crush on her high school teacher, Mr. Bixler. Um, And they find out that he is running a poetry writing class uh, over the summer and feels a little weird. It, it, It feels, it feels very weird. Yes. Right. That, that entire dynamic between Veda and her teacher is just, I, I, I felt gross just kind of watching it. You know what I mean? Yes. Especially like at the age of 11. Like that's, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any good age for that, but yeah, it's. And yeah. for me, he was just so oblivious to it. Like he had no like, and, or like the writing class, he didn't necessarily mention that it was an adults only class and then was sort of shocked when she showed up. I don't know. It was just, it was like you said, it was a very weird dynamic. Yeah. Did you guys take any classes you know, during the summer, um, that weren't, you know, mandatory. No, Absolutely I did. Not. I did summer gym just to make, to get the credit. So it wouldn't be all sweaty during school, which was a lot of fun, actually. You just, yeah. You just go around to like all these facilities within like the neighborhoods and, you know, you play basketball for a week and then you go play softball for a week. It was much easier than actual gym class. And then, uh, <laughs> In school. And then uh, when I was in university, I always made sure I took like one, I usually took like a credit or so in the summer just to usually like a class that I knew I wasn't going to be as good at just so I could focus solely on that just to have something and then, you know, work and do everything else. So, but they were all mandatory. Yeah. When I was growing up, I don't even think there was availability for summer unless you had to go because you, you know, flunked the, the spring semester, let's say, but. In college, I did the same thing. When I started, I definitely would like take a course over the summer, especially if it was going to be a hard course. I would take it like locally as opposed to where I went. And so in theory, it would be a little bit easier at the community college, most likely than uh, also, like you said, you're able to focus on it. But if I didn't have to take something, I was certainly not down for that. Yeah, I I took a, a couple of summer classes when I was in high school. Um at uh, at the University of New Mexico, just to get that kind of extra, uh, you know, college credit, that advanced credit, uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of worked out my uh, worked out for me there. Um, I was able to, you know, test out of you know certain courses that I really just didn't want to take, just because I had already, I guess, taken the class, got the credit, um, and it just kind of carried over. So it's kind of nice. Um, Veda is, you know, slowly becoming friends with, uh, with Shelly. Um, and she, her and Thomas J are invited into Shelly's RV. They're kind of snoop around, get a little soda pop out of the fridge. And, uh, old Thomas J looks in the cookie jar and whoa, there's a wad of, wad of cash there. Um, and as, as soon as he opens up that, uh, that cash that cash cow the the cookie jar you see veda's eyes lock onto it um and you know exactly what she's thinking she's thinking i'm gonna get 
I'm going to take this money so I can pay for that uh, writing class with my, you know, creepy, creepy ass English teacher. Yeah, I want to inject here. I was so surprised that the dad wouldn't give her the money, given that, like you talked about earlier, not that he was avoiding her, but he sort of was like, ah, she's fine. She's fine. She's fine. Like never sort of giving her the the attention she probably wanted. So I was surprised that he wouldn't have just given her the 35 bucks. I mean, it played a better storyline that she took it. She had her apologize later, all that stuff. But I just assumed the dad would have been like, if they had the money, which they seemed to, because they had a house. And I mean, he seemed to be doing okay, that he wouldn't have just given her the money to sort of, I know my daughter loves school. I know my daughter loves this stuff and she's expressed interest. You know, why not? Why not give her the money, so to speak? So that was a part for me that I didn't necessarily like or was sort of a, not a sad point exactly, but like I was surprised. Well, certainly for he, he said, you know, you took an interest in, you know, this, and then you took an interest in that. And then that lasted three weeks. This lasted six weeks. Uh, let's not talk about the time when you wanted to be a magician for a month. You know, she just never kind of stuck to what she was wanting to do. And he wasn't willing to drop, you know, 35 bucks for her to just not, you know, keep interest. So I, 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 I can see that. where he's coming from. Right. But I think all those other things were different. This was school based. I mean, he would have seen that she was doing good in school. I mean, she seemed like a smart kid who was doing good in school, who was, you know, putting in effort and whatnot. So to me, it was I understood his argument. But to me, it was different because being a magician is not the same as necessarily wanting to do schoolwork, which I get is weird for a kid to be like, correctly, like, I want to do schoolwork this summer. But it just seemed it seemed it would have I, I didn't love his argument because, like I said, those other things seemed different. They were hobbies necessarily versus this. I don't know. But maybe you're right. Maybe it was as simple as he just saw writing and poetry in the same way that he saw her being a magician or any other sort of hobbies she was interested in until she wasn't. Yeah, that's that's exactly where where I took it. Later on down the uh, down the film here, uh, obviously, love connections start to become established. Um, Harry and Shelley start dating, uh, kind of in secret. Uh, behind Veda's back, she slowly picks up on it, and she no longer uh, wants to be friends with uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis with Shelley. There, there is a great scene when she finds out that they're that they're dating and they're uh, at the grocery store, and so she just starts going down the aisle, and just grabbing cans and just spiking them <laughs> into the cart. That the, that the was dead probably, eyes, yeah, yeah. I, it's like that. That was just a great scene. Just it reminded me of uh, Big Daddy a little bit. Yes, I I have that note. I had the same note, bro. Microsoft dropped three points. So as as they start dating, obviously we're getting into the the summertime here, and July Fourth weekend pops up, and Veda's or excuse me, uh, Shelley's ex husband uh, comes into the picture, looking to take back possession of Shelley's house, the uh, the RV. Um, old Danny boy, uh, comes back in, can't, you know, can't figure it out. And, uh, Harry comes into the rescue and gives him a punch right in the gut. I have, I have that written down in my notes. Yeah. If he tries to take the camper again, I will bury him in my front yard. <laughs> Welcome to the brother. I loved it. I was, the brother was like, the brother was like stunned that like, he was like so forceful, but I just, I love that quote. I I did not see Harry as as that kind of as that kind of dude. I I didn't I didn't think he was about mm-hmm. that life. He wasn't about that action, boss. But damn it, if he was. I you know I liked it. You know would have liked if he made like a an Undertaker pun or or something like that as well. But I guess burying him in the ground. But maybe a little choke slam. Uh, tombstone pile driver, something like that. You know, eyes rolling back in the head, thumb across the throat, right? Yeah, he just just sits up all of a sudden. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Dan Aykroyd could pull that off with at, at that weight, but well, Dan Aykroyd agree. looks more like uh, looks more like Paul Bear than anything. <laughs> yes, yes. Undertaker will take you to the grave. All right, moving on. <laughs> um, so now we get to, uh, see 
them kind of go on their first date, right? The 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 bingo hall. Um and have you guys ever been to bingo? Nope. Yes, I've been to bingo. Okay. Is is it exactly as it's uh, portrayed here? I would certainly say they did a good job of portraying the way a church bingo works. It's largely older people. It's largely a lot of people want to have like 20 cards because they think they got a better chance of winning. And and while there's not necessarily fights, there's certainly discomfort when someone yells a bingo because they want to win. They don't want the other guy, the other person to win. And so I thought I thought he did a pretty good job, including a little bit of fight between the, the two old men that was, you know, going to quickly turn into nothing if, if he didn't jump in and sort of like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, come on. I, I did like that old man fight. Um, cause that's exactly how I pictured, you know, men in their eighties, 85, 90 years old at church bingo, you know, kind of fighting. And the other thing that happens is, you know, I mean, not to be completely stereotypical, but you probably have a lot of people coming from the nursing home. So you have a lot of people who, this is their one outing. This is their one night out. It's a Friday night. There's remembrance back to when I was young and used to go out on Friday nights to go to dances or this or that. And so they sort of have, I don't know unbridled you know fire or tension or they want to get like they want to sow their oats even if it's just like standing up to the other 85 year old man who you know made a crack at them or whatever and that's how we end up with this extreme rise in you know 85 year old chlamydia cases yes <laughs> <laughs> which i i did look that up and though the numbers are astonishing like tying into the show where they yeah. talked about that very much so and you know old men and old women just having bone on bone action <laughs> i've worked at a nursing home for for six months uh doing some contract that life no they didn't they almost i would say 99 percent of the residents were uh in wheelchairs and could not move without uh the assistant like they couldn't move themselves so but there was, they had to do STD tests, uh, like as part of like their, I think of their regular physicals because it's just so, so, uh, rampant common. <laughs> That's insane. Um, yeah. Uh, and just good, good job. Congratulations that, that you, you have, you know, this newfound freedom, but be careful if, if you're out there, you know, just be careful okay that, that's all i'm gonna say this is the one thing that i don't get about that whole scenario because it makes sense theoretically there's got to be a patient zero like you're not telling me that half these people have stds and you give it to the other half like there's got to be like one person who has it doesn't know and ends up spreading it around you know or passing it to someone who passes it to someone else because i would think you know if, as part of the physicals as part of their physicals when they came in they're oh you have chlamydia. <laughs> we got to monitor you. We got to give you extra penicillin or whatever. Like it just seems, you know, how it gets to an epidemic or um, just seems a leap a little bit. I don't know. But good for them. But it's still. It, it like Ryan is patient zero. <laughs> <laughs> he won't talk to fans, but he'll talk to the elderly. Salute to him. Moving on. So as uh, as their relationship continues to blood to blood to blossom and bloom, now Veda and uh, Thomas J they they start to kind of want to test some things out too. Um, going for hey, have you ever had a kiss before? And boom, here's your first kiss as an eleven year old. What are you gonna do with that? Yeah, she um, was she seemed a little aggressive. I mean, I understood the thought process of, you know, you're growing into your oats or whatever it is, and you're getting your period and naturally just more hormones and whatnot. But, you know, she seemed, I don't know, like I said, a little aggressive, I felt like, on him at the same time, while also being like, do it this way, don't like, she seemed to want to be really in control, I guess, which I guess was really their relationship. So maybe I'm just thinking it wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Thomas J complete beta. He's a beta male for sure. He seems to enjoy it though. He seems to enjoy being, you know, 
her number two, for lack of a better way to say it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, he plays a good Robin to her Batman. For sure. For sure. Ironically, he's a complete alpha once he goes to New York and foils the wet bandits. Twice. He gets it. Well, I, I guess at one point they're the wet bandits and then they're the sticky bandits. That's so, right. Yeah. They rebranded PR. Had to. So as we uh, we get further into uh, Harry and Shelley's relationship, they go to the carnival, which is kind of you know the classic dating spot. Um, the carnival barker was played by a man named Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth, and yes, no. that Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth. Yeah, how about what that foreshadowing? Yeah, yeah. So you have the the tiny casket, you know. You know, everybody needs caskets. You have uh, Veda talking about uh, Thomas J being allergic to everything. Now you have Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth, which, I mean, if you need any other signs that someone's going to die. Uh, Both the Raven, nevermore. Shout out Capo. Capo. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. It's okay. He's, he's not going to listen to this one anyway. If he is, um, he's stoned. He doesn't care. So this kind of leads into Veda and Thomas walking in the in the woods as you do in the 70s as your as your kids and uh they come to a beehive just kind of hang out on a tree just like it should be um the hell are you doing man number 1 you know that you're allergic to bees the hell are you doing throwing rocks at a fucking beehive and throwing rocks like this like not even like throwing rocks like Flicking or tossing rocks. He was shot both putting of them were so uh you think he knew he was allergic to bees? Because I always wondered that. Well, but, how did Veda know that he was allergic allergic to everything if Thomas J didn't tell her, hey, I'm allergic to everything, including bees. Well, but I feel like he said that in the same way that she went to the doctor every ten minutes because she was dying of whatever else. Like I, I feel like it was it was commiserating with I mean, not that he didn't seem to be a frailer kid that was probably literally to a ton of stuff. It almost seemed like it was to play companion to her and the way she was a hypochondriac. Like he couldn't be a second alpha hypochondriac, but he could say, I'm allergic to everything. So I have to be careful and sort of fit in as her, as part of her shadow, I guess. I don't know. My sister-in-law got stung by a bee on Sunday and I forgot to check if she died. Hope she's okay. Do you want to give her a call now? You good? Salute uh, to her. I'll text her. Okay. You know, j- j- just to make sure. Are you are you texting her right now? Yep. Okay. Cool. Just <laughs> let me know when you're done. She said she's good. All right. That's good awesome. to hear. We didn't right. lose anybody. That's fifty bucks back in our jar. Mm-hmm. All right. He knocks down the. Um, the beehive, and of course the bees are gonna get pissed. Hey, I just lost my house. You know, I I spent months building this house, and now it's gone because this little punk ass Thomas J wants to shot put a rock through my window. You know, through my front, you know, my my foyer, and now I've got to spend another four months building this fucking house again. Yeah, I'm pissed. I'm gonna go kill this kid. And they do the classic thing from the cartoons: you you run, you jump into the lake because they're not gonna get you. And as Ron McGill taught us, that doesn't actually work. It doesn't work. Beads can still sting you in the water. Or they just wait for you to come up. You're not going to hold your breath forever. He deserved to die. Hot take. You know what? I accept that. And I'll, I'll allow it. So, a couple of days after the rock through the foyer of a beehive, um, Thomas J. returns to the scene of the crime to look for uh, Veda's moon ring mood ring um and he steps on the beehive like you didn't think that they were still kind of there picking up the pieces of of the house that you just destroyed also zero chance he finds that ring no not at least one in a billion like i get that it exists so there is some kind of chance but he moved a pile of leaves and picked it up just no way no and then didn't run like he she I mean, told him to run. Attempt to run. Disappointed. He, he's allergic to running. <laughs> she, she did say allergic to everything. So I'm also allergic to running. So it's okay. 
I think all three of us share, share the, uh, the the same allergy. <laughs> I only run from wild animals, so I would be running from those damn bees, even though they're not animals. Insects are animals. They're, they're in the animal kingdom. Oh, okay. So then I stand corrected. I do run from animals, including bees. Including bees. Bees? Do you run from D's? Yes. Both the D's. <laughs> So the bees come back and uh, they finish the job that that should have been done the first time. Um, and, you know, of course, Mr. Thomas J uh, dies from the, an allergic reaction to uh, to the bee stings. Um, R.I.P. in uh, in peace. Is this a better bee scene than Tommy Boy? No, no. Where they Tom- pretend there's bees in the car when they're pulled up. There. No, Tommy Boy is better than Thomas J just, just on principle. Right. But that, B, that, that B scene in Tommy boy is one of the funniest scenes in Chris Farley's entire catalog. I can't think of bees without the, the two things I think of are arrested development and that scene from Tommy boy. So other uh, weird fact, I found out that a friend of mine, they sh- so they shot Tommy boy here in Toronto I found out a friend of mine plays one of the kids who's on the shore when they're in the boat and they're all uh, calling him a fat whale. Yeah. I found out he was one of those. He's the, he's the smallest kid in that group. Uh, so if we ever want to have him on and talk about his experience filming that scene, I'm sure he'd be happy to, to come on. Yeah. Tommy Boy uh, 69. I, I don't know if it's on the list. No, it's a 71 I, I, or something. Oh, well, you know, let, let's get the, the Lauer After Hours army to kind of downvote the hell out of it. And maybe in the future, send him meh. Mm. Meh. All right. Um, so Harry is, uh, you know, kind of left to tell the news to uh, to Veda that her best friend just died. Okay, so that part kind of sucked, right? Thinking about your, your best friend dying. Or thinking about having to tell your daughter that her best friend died, right? That that part did kind of suck. Um, and I got to tell you, the last like 30 minutes of this movie caused a huge argument between me and my wife because I didn't tear up. I didn't cry. I didn't have any emotion at all. And and she said to me, and, and I, I actually wrote this down. She said, she said you're broken inside. <laughs> close. She said, <laughs> you are a soulless devil of a man. How can you not be crying your eyes out right now? Because you knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I think we all, you know, I don't think any of us saw the movie before uh, this week, but we all knew what how this ended. This was a very formative, traumatic experience for uh, our generation. This has been on TV for, you know, countless, countless years. I mean, we're not, it's not G baby and hardball. This is, you know, Tommy J and my girl. So it's, it's not that traumatic. Everybody cries at G baby. I cried in click. Didn't cry in this one. What was the last movie you cried in? Good question. Cause it was recent for me. What the hell did I just watch? Come back to me, Schweitz. Go. Uh, probably with our tax dies and uh, never-ending story. It's always a, a, a tearjerker. This is not exactly going to count because I can't remember the movie, but it was within the last month. But I Schindler's tried. List? No, uh, I have never seen that movie. It's not very good. Don't worry about it. I, I didn't have an interest. Like, you know, I, I'm sometimes I'm one of the Bomani Jones sort of thought process, which is why do I want to go into something that I know is going to make me feel like shit? Like, you know, I don't need, you know. Um, so I tend to avoid some stuff like that, that I know is going to be heavy if it's not necessarily a topic that I'm interested in. Plus, you know, can't go to a movie theater, make out with my girlfriend or wife like they did in Seinfeld. Wait, do you have a girlfriend or a wife or both? So. Um, that's a good question. No, I have a wife, but uh, yeah. <laughs> she's my girlfriend too. Never stop dating your wife. Just write that down. 
Agreed. And you know that that's a note for all you husbands out there: never my stop wife. dating your sig- significant other. I, you know, I, I don't want to be myopic. You know, perhaps some of you men have husbands, so I don't want to be myopic here. Men, continue to date your significant other even after you're married. Agreed. What if they don't want to date you? Then you're probably in the wrong. Uh, you're probably in the wrong relationship. And don't have children. <laughs> too late for uh, I think everybody on this episode yeah. yes multiples did we find out what movie you, you last cried in I, I, I I'm blanking on it but I'm sure it'll come to me as we okay the the, the, then what's the what's the most embarrassing movie that you've cried in Ooh, that's a good one too um This sucks for the podcast. Because for me, it's Fox and the Hound. Ooh, good one. I would say one movie I did cry at was Forrest Gump. Um, okay. Because I, I was a little bit younger when I watched it. And I don't know, like, the whole when... I mean, obviously, you sort of knew that it was coming, but still when when, when she passed, I feel like it was a... You know, it was a sad moment. Um, Sally Field um, or Jenny? Jenny. Sally, Sally Field was just, I mean, you knew the It was more was sad when out. Sally Field passed. Yeah, Je- Jenny Maybe. can get all the way the hell out of here. <laughs> she's, she's awful. She is, she might be my most hated character in any movie in cinematic history. Really? But she, wow. She's got cheeks. That's a hot take, beep. Yeah, just the way that she treated Forrest, you know that that's that's a, oh, a, a topic for, for another she time. She treated him like crapola, most yeah. definitely. The hell out of here, Jenny! You and your AIDS infections and you know drug addictions, and get the hell out of here, Jenny. Okay, if you say so. Moving on. So as uh, as we kind of go forward now. Um, Veda's taking this news pretty hard, right? For an 11 year old, you know, she just found out that her, her best friend died and not coming back and spends a couple of days in her room. And, you know, of course this being pretty much the only funeral home in uh, Madison, Pennsylvania, where do they have Thomas Jay's funeral service at Veda's house? Um, so that, that probably sucked a little bit. Um, she finally comes down out of her room during the uh, the ceremony. And I think, you know, one of the only humorous parts was uh, Grandma coming uh, into the funeral parlor and actually singing um, during, during the, uh, the viewing a uh, little, little comedic level levity there. Um, yeah. That was probably a bad time to start singing. <laughs> now, did anybody ever bust into one of your dad's funerals and uh, start singing like that? Not to any my dementia knowledge. Dementia patients, anything like that? Nope not not to my knowledge. Um, I I I don't. Yeah, we. Ne- there was never an instance of grandmas just busting out into some some George and Ira Gershwin. Yeah, so. Veda, um, you know, she's overcome with all these emotions and she leaves the house and heads down to uh, her teacher's house and finds out that, oh, hey, he's getting married too, taking all the wind out of her sails after she put herself out there uh, to tell him that she's in love with him, which, again, so super weird, super weird. Also, that teacher is very late to that funeral. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's already over, bro. Like you missed the entire thing. You're clearly down the street, so there's no excuse. No excuse. So who who's making him late? Him or or his uh, fiance? Oh, his fiance, most definitely. Yeah, she hates kids. She doesn't know any of these people. She's in theory new in town, and so I think uh, she was sort of not slow playing it, but you know. I don't know. I don't like going to funerals with people I don't know. If that makes any sense. 
he's going to quit his job and uh, become a sales rep like uh, our friend Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so she leaves that lat- that house and heads back out to the woods where Thomas J died to kind of just, you know, find herself and kind of deal with all of these emotions as, as an 11 year old, right? That's, that's gotta be, you know, pretty difficult. Um, so they send out some search crews, um, can't find her. She later comes back to the house and everyone is, is relieved that Veda is back home. Uh, and she slowly comes to the, uh, the realization that, yeah, Shelly's going to be my stepmom. I've got to learn to accept it. But then she has a, a real heart-to-heart conversation with with her dad, Harry, about what happened to Veda's mom. Um, you know, that she died uh, during complications during childbirth, which, I mean, kind of set this whole thing in motion, right, of, of death being the center of, of, her, of her life, basically. Right? All she's known since the beginning is, hey, I'm surrounded by death. I have my mom, who died, giving birth to me. Um, my dad has all of these dead people around him all the time. And now, as an 11-year-old, my best friend has now died. So kind of understanding that, just uh, it's got to be difficult, right? And maybe yeah, it's maybe. normal. <laughs> well, I think you know, it certainly it. played into why she thought every five minutes she was dying of this illness or that illness or that ailment or chicken bone stuck in my throat for months and years or whatever it was uh you know it sort of played into into the way her character was built and i I think she did a great job portraying that especially as a you know a first time you know actress carrying a movie at the age Mm -hmm. of 11. most dollars all right so the next day uh veda and her dad are at a cafe uh, they're in uh, in town, and uh, Thomas J's mom, Mrs. Senate, comes walking by. Um, Harry stops her, talks to her, uh, calls Veda over, and she gives her the mood ring that Thomas J found. It was on him when he died. Um, and the whole movie, the mood ring is black, black like my soul, uh, as as my wife says. Um, but this time, when she hands it to her. It's blue. What do you think that means? She was probably cold. Yeah, I think the mom was wearing it. I I, I thought it was cold because it was on Thomas J's cold dead hands. Maybe should have should have buried him with it. I mean, if you got a mood ring like that, it's like okay. If she puts together that he was out there looking for it, now she's going to feel even guiltier. Zagaki, right? So now, not only did I kill my mom, I have also roundabout way killed my best friend because he's out there looking for the mood ring that I dropped when we when we decided to start throwing rocks at this fucking beehive. Everything is my fault. I mean, I had to deal with uh, survivor's guilt once with a friend of mine who passed away, and man, I was well, twenty five and. You know, it took a long time to, to deal with that, but I can't imagine dealing with that at 11. Her life's messed up. I don't know how she did a second movie. <laughs> ah. All right. Um, well, I mean, that, that pretty much wraps up the movie there, um, other than the fact that she goes back to the, the poetry writing class and she reads, you know, the, the poem from her heart and gets a standing ovation from everybody in class, which again, kind of weird, you know, being an 11 year old in a, an adult, you know, poetry writing class, you know, having, you know, seances and, yeah. you know, can I also, feeling. can I also say it? There's the, there's an exceptionally creepy guy in that poetry writing class that that teacher should have immediately flagged and not let him near her ever. Like Which the guy one? with the long, the guy with the long hair who was a super hippie, who was yeah. just very creepy. Like that, he was the most creepy person in that movie. She shouldn't have been anywhere near him. Even creepier than Edgar Allan Poe the Fourth. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Same note, bro. So yeah, that, again, that that pretty much wraps up the uh, the movie here. Um, 
Let's get into a little bit of trivia here. So this film was originally supposed to be titled Born Jaundiced. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think, awesome. Yeah, I, I think they nailed it with uh um being my girl instead. Um they just make her yellow throughout. Uh Jamie Lee Curtis uh instituted a swear can uh on set to prevent trucker talk. Um they uh they did this through the, the whole uh the whole shoot. Uh it was five dollars for this word, ten dollars for another word. Uh by the end of the movie they gave about five grand to the kids uh because of their uh their dirty trucker mouths. Who do you think gave the most? Ackroyd? Ackroyd, for sure. Yes. You you Canadians, you you love your swear words. We make words up, posers. <laughs> that movie does not uh, meet the criteria. Canadian bacon on the list? It's not. Damn. Yeah, sorry. Great movie. Sorry. Um, there's a couple of Jim Carrey movies that are on the list, so maybe we can have, you know, Canadian month. Um, you know, maybe during like, uh, what, when's, you know, Canadian New Year or something? I know July uh, 1st Canadian is New like... Year's in, in January. Um, Canada's birthday is July 1st, so... Next right. July, Canada month. Cool. So we'll we'll do an all Canada month in July. So so uh, stay tuned for that. Um, so Elijah Wood was actually considered for the role of Thomas J. Um, but of course they they uh, casted Macaulay Culkin because he had just done Home Alone, uh, and he was definitely a more bankable star uh, in '91. Um, but Elijah Wood and Culkin would later star together in 1993's The Good Son. Never saw it. I never saw that one either. He makes three. Haven't seen it. All right. So here are some people that were uh, considered for the role of Harry. Uh, so it was Chevy Chase. Um, it was Tim Allen and Steve Martin. Also a prop comic. Yeah. I I tweeted him the other day. By the way, I asked him if he was a prop comic. <laughs> Is that what got you your your uh, retweet rescinded? Nope, I don't know what did. I was gonna message Juju. Probably a smart idea. I'm gonna bet Mark messaged him, said on tweet him. <laughs> I I'm sure he just. I'm, I'm I'm sure he just hit it by mistake and then re undid it, but it still shows up. Got the picture. It absolutely happened. Exactly. Or Zagaki. Uh, let's get into. Uh, to our final reviews here. Um, of course, our, our rating scale is yeah, it's worth it, meh, maybe, or feh. Get out of here. Uh, Schweitz, I'll start with you. I'm going to say yeah. Um, really impressed with Anna uh, Chomsky as an actress at that age. Um, pretty much what I expected from a sort of coming of age early 90s movie it's pretty a nostalgic time even if, even though i hadn't seen the movie it reminds me of a lot of other things i saw uh i'd watch it again it's not my favorite thing but i'd definitely uh show the kids someday stiano what'd you got so i'm gonna go in between on meh and yeah um this was not the first time i'd seen this movie i'd seen it certainly a long time ago and then recently over the pandemic we watched it with the kids and i think it's a good family movie so i would certainly watch it in that context but uh you know i and i love dan Aykroyd and i love jamie curtis in many ways for me that parts of those parts of the movies i uh i enjoy much more for example when they're in the camper dancing and she puts her nose up his neck and it's like what are you wearing and he's like old spice <laughs> just like made me chuckle all those little sort of non-comedy comedy moments i i really enjoyed in the movie but you know, it was an in-between for me. It was, like I said, something I would watch with the family, but, you know, I don't know that, you know, in the next five to ten years, I'm ever going to say, you know what I want to watch tonight, honey? My girl. I just don't think it's going to go there. So, enjoyable movie. I've seen it multiple times because I've seen it, and then I've seen it with my kids, and then I watch it again for this. But, you know, in-between. Solid movie, but not great. 
What about you, babe? So this was the first time that I had seen this movie. Uh, and this is going to get a solid feh. Get out of here with this movie. Um, once it hit like the 30-minute mark, I was checking my phone. Um, and I saw it had still had an hour and 15 minutes ago. I was like, okay, it, it's enough of this. Um, you know, I, I didn't cry. There was no emotions. Um, and it was the complete opposite of the tagline, a funny and moving family film. No, I feh, all the way out of here with this movie. Just watch beep. Just watch beep instead. Yep. That, that gets an absolute. Yeah. And that's going to do it for this episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema, Volume 2, My Girl. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars.